I was born in 1950, right in the middle of this last century. And um, seven and eight years old, on Friday nights or Saturday nights, my parents would let me stay at my best friend's house. It was on the corner, and then there was an alley, cross the street, go down the alley, there was an apartment and a vacant lot, and then our house. My brother told me there was a seven-foot dog down at the end of the uh, alley at the gas station, so I'd always run home because I could see its eyes. It wasn't there, but I could see them. However, they'd let me come home at 10 o'clock at night. This was the 50s, 57, 58. It was safe. It was a simple time. People had values, and the whole community, Catholic or not, they, they, they respected each other pretty well. And I'd go home at night late on Saturday because I could sleep in a little on Sunday, and everything was fine. Don't do that today, parents. In fact, parents, I don't envy you at all. Your job is like 10 times harder than it was back then because the community doesn't accept the same values. And, and, and horrible things happen. So I'm going to share some things today, and you might say, Father Perry, this is a children's mass. Get over it. Don't you realize there's no filters in society anymore? They see and hear everything. They see and hear it all. And our job now is we can't turn off the flow. We can't stop it. They're away from you eight hours a day at least. There's nothing you can do except if we, especially as a community of faith, say we do have values, we do believe things, and we will work together because we want to make the world a better place. We don't want to be a part of the problem. We want to be a part of the solution. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Yes. So, there's a growing phenomenon. It's, it's very uh, heartbreaking. It's the phenomenon of teenage suicide. It's, it's there. It's increasing. And uh, there's probably lots of reasons. Um, mental health issues, abusiveness at home, bad rearing, uh, chemical imbalances, uh, bad influences. But a lot of those um, we would have a lot of trouble cleaning them up and fixing them. But there's one that we should have no trouble fixing because we should just say as a whole community, no. N-O in capital letters, bold, underline, no. And it's the problem of bullying in schools. There uh, are bullies and those who are bullied, B-U-L-L-I-E-D, the victim and the victimizer. And... Um, this happens in grammar schools, for God's sake, before sixth grade, in middle school, in high school. I understand it there. It's no better, but, but, you know, but grammar school, middle school. I heard a case of it this week. Not in our school, but a, a case of it. And I don't understand it. Where is this coming from? Today, uh, this week, as I mull over the scriptures, I listen to them on Monday for the following Sunday, and I listen to them several times a week on the Audible um, the, um, section of usccb.org. I can pull up the scriptures and hear them, and, and things jump out at me, and for some reason that bully and bullied just really hit me. That's what these scriptures are about. In the first reading today from Isaiah, 
this was the situation. You wouldn't know it from reading it, but the situation is there's been a war and 10 of the 12 tribes have been ripped away from Israel. And they are suffering and struggling and they're feeling again rejection and pain. And, uh, and of course, part of it, I'm not going to say it was Israel's fault, but Israel said, we're the chosen people and everybody else is not. <laughs> well, that's not a very nice message to tell people. You're either a Jew or a Gentile. That's what was said. So the Gentiles didn't really care for them too much, I think. At any rate, another war, another devastation upon the Jews. But Isaiah the prophet comes along and he tells those who had been bullied, those who had been beat up, Israel, hang in there. It's going to get better. And then he says what I think is one of the most incredible and positive scriptures. It's ideal, of course, because it'll never be realized perfectly, but it's something we always work toward. The way he describes the way peace and justice would descend upon the people and be lived among the people, he describes it in this way. He says he takes animals that would normally eat each other and he has them sitting together in peace. The lion will lie down with the lamb. The lion will eat hay with the cow. Really? So, uh, this is the one time a year that I get to quote Woody Allen. If you don't like Woody Allen, I get it. Immorally, he's reprehensible. But he is funny, especially his early work. And there's a monologue that he does many, many years ago in which he's Jewish, and he's very Jewish in his way of speaking. And as he's, he's speaking like a rabbi, talking about some of the things from Scripture. So he starts to quote uh, Psalm 23, and he says, And I will walk through the valley of darkness. No, no, I'll run through the valley of darkness. And then he says, um, he, quoting another passage, this Isaiah, he says, the lion will die, he says, the lion will lie down with the lamb, but the lamb won't get much sleep. Now that's the truth. That's the truth. Lions and lambs do not lie down together. The lamb is smarter than that. The lamb will run as far away from that lion as it can because the lion uh, is going to eat the lamb, period. That's the truth. But Isaiah takes that and he says the opposite. They will lie down together in peace. Because he's describing a time when people would open their minds and hearts and hear God speak of justice. It, it, the scripture says justice for the poor. What's justice for the poor? That they have enough food to eat. That they're not sleeping at the river or in cars with their kids. That's unjust. There's something wrong with a society. There's something wrong with a society that lets that happen and doesn't fix it. Now, I'm not saying just give money away and give everything away, and, but, but you can't. how do you have 68,000 people in the city of Los Angeles, a county, sleeping on the streets? There's something wrong. But Isaiah says it doesn't have to be that way, and you can change it. Paul goes even a little further because he's addressing the fact that he gets to see. He gives both the promise and the realization of it in his ministry because he was the first to go out and really preach to the Gentiles. The Jews didn't accept Jesus, by and large. A few did. But the Gentiles did when Paul preached to them. And in this passage, he's saying that, how they heard the message, and now the Gentiles will see the light 
and the Gentiles will come and praise that God with us, the same one, because they recognized Jesus, who he was, and they followed. So here we have the good news, and this is, this is that those who have been bullied, uh, there will be a better time. Now, there are people who give that message, but to me it's not universal. Every teacher, every principal, every parent should say that to their kids every day. And if they say, and if I hear that you are bullying, you're grounded for a year. Let me hear that you're bullying a kid, you're grounded for a year. I'm exaggerating, but you get the point. It's, just, it's, just, it's an, a big N-O. It shall not exist. And we all have to be united in that. Good God, these are our kids. Well, there are groups of people in our society, thanks be to God, who do stand up for them. Uh, one is a subset in the gay community, and, and the reason is because gay children uh, have often been really at the brunt of, of, of bullying. And many of them who made it through their childhood and became adults, they got through it, and they realized that they could lift themselves up and get through it, and be proud of who they were. And there's been all kinds of movies and documentaries because of deaths like the Thomas Shepard. I think it was Thomas Shepard. Awful, awful experiences of this. So uh, there's a documentary out right now. I just saw it in the paper. I read a little bit about it. I didn't read it in detail. But it's the gay men's course of San Diego. And they made a documentary. And he, the director, went back to his town in, I'll say, I don't remember, Tennessee, and he went back to his church, I don't think it was Catholic, that rejected him as a child because he was gay. And he went back, took the chorus, and did some visiting of cities and went there to his church and did a concert. And of course, the minister, a little more, um, um, shall I say, modern, whatever, embraced him and loved him back into the community. And the message was this, saying this to the children, if you were gay, saying this, Hang in there. It will get better. And that group of people, gay people, not just choirs, they go all over the city. They go to schools, uh, and, and they take that message, hang in there, it will get better. Isaiah, hang in there, it will get better. Paul. But there's bad news out there too. And the bad news in this scripture, John the Baptist gives it to us, and bang, wow, kazow, he gives it. Here's the scene. He's baptizing at the Jordan. People are coming from everywhere, everywhere, because they hear about this holy man, this, this austere man in the desert, baptizing and calling on them to repent and wash away their sins. And as he's doing this with some very sincere people that are coming to him, here come some scribes and Pharisees. Now, the scribes and Pharisees were very intelligent, very educated upper class, and they sat in the front rows. No, I'm not making a comment about anyone here, but they sat in the front rows with all their tassels and uh, showing off how religious they were. And they were outwardly in their words, but they put obstacles in front of the poor. They, they, they didn't care, and Jesus told them, woe to you. Jesus said at one point to the scribes and Pharisees, you're like tombs. Dead men's tombs, marble beautiful carved on the outside, but inside rotting bones. That's who you are. 
whoa, Jesus, whoa. So St. John the Baptist is there, and he's baptizing all these people, and along come some scribes and Pharisees, and he says, you brood of vipers. Not a nice way to greet somebody, but he told them straight out, you brood of vipers. Please, you're coming here to repent. Show some evidence first that you've repented. Don't come here and think that you could just get some water sprinkled on you and everything is fine. Change your lives. Change your lives. That's the bad news. That's the news to the bulliers. Really? You think you can go around bullying people and that's okay? Change your lives. Today, it's, it's the second Sunday of Advent. And as we get deeper into Advent, the theme of repentance just keeps coming out stronger and stronger. You know, people sometimes say to me, Father, how often should you go to confession? I tell them, well, the church sets as a minimum once a year. Uh, you may not know this. Here's a little catechesis. The church says you, you need to go to confession once a year, whenever, but you need to go to communion once a year during the Easter season. That's the law. And it's, it's a minimal law. It's like, really, Catholics, once a year go to communion? But the church says, please, come on, just, just do the minimum. But if you asked me how many times should I go to confession, how often, I'd say, well, it's really up to you. But I'd say minimally twice a year. And I'd say very specifically during Advent and during Lent. Because these are the two penitential times where we're supposed to take a good look at ourselves. And, and it's kind of nice to do it when we know the whole community is doing it. We're in this together. We're all taking a pause to say, what needs to change in my life? What's missing? What's lacking? What should I do more of or do less of? How can I be a better man or woman? How can I do that? And so the church embraces this time, loads it with scriptures like today, that give promise and hope, but also try to pull away from us the things that are harming us. Speaks to the bullied and the bulliers and says, can it be better? Today, we listen to these scriptures, but we're not meant to just listen to them. And here I've just preached a homily about it. So what, Perry? Are you living it? So what, Perry? Are you taking to heart repentance in your own life? As I like to say, I say it all the time, I'm not preaching to you today. Hmm. I'm preaching to me, but I'll let you listen in if you want. Because if I'm not preaching to me, all of this is nonsense. This is about me, as I believe it's about all of us. And the word is clear today. Repent. Change your life. Become more human. Become more holy. Become more real.